God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It feels like I got hit by a truck. I say that because if you say it feels like I get hit by a kid's scooter, it doesn't have the same impact, right? We know that if you get hit by a kid's scooter, it might hurt a little bit. But when you get hit by a truck, you know the implication is you're going to be hurting for sure. That's why we use it. You know Newton's law? First law, um, object in motion. And if a small object like you and me get in front of a truck, is that truck going to stop? It's not. That's maybe why we say feels like a truck hit me. Because sometimes there are things in our lives that just take us a different way than we anticipated. We could plan all our lives for that moment and still something happens. It's like my talking to a pastor who recently had a child. Who they planned for six months for this child to come. They had everything. They had baby showers. They had the room prepared. They have all the toys that they need. But when the child comes... The theory of a child changes into the reality of a child, and it's like getting hit by a truck. You're, you're, you're thrown off one way or another direction, and you can't anticipate what it's going to be like, and so you're, you're just reeling, trying to figure out piece by piece, how do I put it all together? How do I make a functional life? And it feels like you're hit by a truck. I'm... I'm sure you had those moments too. Where even though you plan things out, or maybe it's out of the blue, something just drops in your lap and it changes your course of life completely where you can't continue functioning the same way you were before. And you know what? Today, we get to see that as Jesus sits down in a synagogue. And this is kind of what God does sometimes. He just places himself in front of people, and changes their course completely, just like that. You see how he did it for Abraham. Abraham probably was living his life in his own land with his his parents there and his relatives all there, and yet God comes to Abraham and he says, go to the land, I'm going to tell you. Completely changes the course of his life. You think about prophets, you think about uh, judges, you think about someone like Gideon, shy Gideon, who wanted to just hide away and blend in with everyone. God comes to Gideon and he says, Gideon, you're going to be my leader to free my people from oppression. And Gideon says, I, I don't want to be your leader. And yet, what does God do through him? He frees his people. In the same sense, here, we have Jesus sitting in front of people worshiping. As ordinary worship service where scripture is read and it's enumerated on and preached on and the people there are listening, and yet when Jesus is there that day, there's something that was completely different, something completely new. First off, we hear that as he reads scripture, everyone's eyes were focused on him. But The Holy Spirit, at the beginning of our our text for today, says the Holy Spirit has anointed him to preach. And so Jesus was on fire for the gospel right now. He's preaching and teaching, and people are recognizing his powerful words. But that wasn't the main event. That wasn't what would attract attention. It would be Jesus sitting there 
at reading Isaiah 61. And afterwards, telling him, or telling them, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. It wouldn't be so shocking, except that the promises Isaiah read were redemptive promises. Listen to them again, verses 17 and 18 of Luke chapter 4. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. My guess is people who are sitting there would have recognized this reading. And it's actually our Old Testament reading that goes on. It's, it's talking about freedom from poor, freedom from oppression, from captivity, sight for blind, everything that people would want. And it, Isaiah 61 goes on, and we, we hear even more why it's what we want. Uh, look at verse 3 and 4 and 5. It says, To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is great stuff. This is the kind of things that that we want in our life, and actually we physically try to get some of these things in ways that aren't God-pleasing or God-directed. You think of the, the, the beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The oil back then was medicinal. And so today we use our medicinal means, medicine, so often to find joy in our life. We medicate ourselves for joy. We have a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And we physically try to do that sometimes. To cover over our own despair, we actually go and get garments and cover ourselves because we feel if we look good, then we feel good and we are good. We try to cover our despair over. We want to be those oaks of righteousness that people look up at and say, wow, isn't that something? Well, Jesus in the synagogue sat there and he said to them, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. They couldn't just ignore it. They couldn't just overlook what Jesus said. Because what he was saying is that the promises that God made to the Old Testament people, the promise that it was pointing ahead towards one single person who would give them all these things, all the things that they wanted, that Jesus claimed to be that person. He claimed to give them joy, freedom, sight to the blind. And we're not just talking about those in poverty as if God's going to level off... uh, our, our country bringing up the poor and bringing down the rich and we're all going to live in middle class and we could all see and all have, have wonderful lives. He's talking about you and me. 
He's talking about our, our own lack of joy as we look around our lives and we feel desperate for good news. He's talking about our own spiritual blindness. As the, the past that we decide to take always seem to end up in a dead end or, or send our, us in a spiral of oppression down and we can't figure out how we get out of this, we can't figure out how we can have joy, how we can have freedom. And yet Jesus is there. He says, I am that joy and freedom and sight. He stands before sin, death, and the devil. He says, I'm the one who is oppressed. I'm the one that took on sin that, that, that buries me down into a grave. I'm the one that took on blindness and, and went to a cross to pay for your sins. I'm the one that, that gives you this. This is my grace. This is my love for you. Here it is. It's yours. And we fumble it. We fumble God's grace. Because like anyone other, we try to act as the world does to figure out the solution to our own problems. We, we look at our lives and we, we see the despair that we have. And you, you can see this in our very own congregation. There are people who struggle with depression. Who, who so often face the, the struggle of their own identity. Who, who so often struggle with their, their, their spouse and how they can live a, a God-filled, glorious marriage with each other. We see how Satan slowly tugs at our relationships here and now, telling us God's promises are only for later. But God's promises are for now. When he sat before that congregation, he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Right here and right now, I, he's the one that's going to, as verse 18 says, anoint me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom as if freedom is already ours for prisoners of sins, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed. Jesus says, this is happening here and now for you and your lives. And yet Satan so often pulls us away from that and says, don't look at the freedom that you have now. You are still a horrible, wicked sinner and only God's promises apply to heaven. But Christ says, now. I see that in myself. That during the week, when I miss an opportunity to read Scripture... I can see grief and anxiety sneak in. For our loved ones here at our church, our family members. Some of us struggle with depression and anxiety. 
but that grows so much more. A few weeks away from church? And if weeks does that to us, think of what months and years do to us. It, it's almost as if the faith that which Christ has given us and laid in our lap and says, it's yours, we have fumbled it, and faith just vanishes into thin air. And we wonder why we're struggling in our relationships in our, with our spouse. And we wonder why we, we struggle with our, with our own self-esteem. And we wonder why we struggle with, with our, our temptations it's almost as if Satan has put this tractor beam on us and pulled us away from Christ and his word who says the promises are for you here and now and says you have too much to do. Your aspirations are too great. It's just too busy. And Satan does that because that's where he wants us to be. Not here. Because when we're not in God's word and in scripture, that's where Satan batters and beats our soul. That's where temptation becomes all the more easy to convert into our sin. That's when our spouses, our families, are so much more willing to be at each other's throats. That's where we're, we're so much more susceptible to, to spiraling down and, and have our, our, our dark thoughts and dark hearts and, and you see people come back to church and they're spiritually starved, they're spiritually craving something because they can't find the solution, the peace, the happiness anywhere except for Christ. In fact, those people who look for happiness in the world, they find themselves more unhappy than ever before. And yet here Christ is, sitting amongst his people in worship, says, today they are fulfilled. Today I have given you the oil of gladness. I have taken you from ashes and given you joy. We so often fumble Christ's grace. But that's why Christ gives it to us again and again. As we sit in worship here, Christ brushes against us with his forgiveness and his love. And it changes everything. It's like a truck hits you and you're, you're going the opposite direction. If you have the man who can change everything sitting before you, wouldn't it change how you acted? Wouldn't it change how you went about go doing your job? Even though it's, it's horrible and it's just frustrating, you're doing it for your Lord and for your Savior. Here is where Christ comes to us and exercises these demonic thoughts and foolish ways that we find ourselves in out there outside of his word. Here's where he exercises the demons in our own marriage as he rubs against us and says, you are children of God, you are dearly loved, you have been saved. Here, in God's word, Christ comes to us. 
says, today it has been fulfilled. Yes, we have eternal life to expect because of him. But yes, today we receive the blessings as children of God. We fumble God's grace. But Christ picks it up again and gives it to us. In his word and his sacrament. Amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed printed for you on page 5 in your bulletin. We confess. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, not made, of one being with the Father. <clears throat> Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again, glory, to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. Amen. <clears throat>